Showtime Sports presents Showtime Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Welcome back. And uh, with my co-host, Eric Raskin, I am Kieran Mulvaney. And Eric, our third edition of the Showtime Boxing Podcast is our first from Fight Week. We are here at the MGM Grand Studios, AMB, the media center here for Manny Pacquiao against Adrian Bronner. And already the buzz is, is pretty substantial here. Yeah, uh, here we are out, out in Vegas. There's a good crowd, uh, a lot of people around in the media room. Uh, yeah, it, you know, another big fight week. <laughs> it, it feels like we picked up right where we left off. And um, one, one thing that the listeners don't realize is that walking through the MGM Grand in Las Vegas with Kieran Mulvaney, it means stopping and saying hello to everybody in the boxing community because, Kieran, there is nobody in Las Vegas boxing that you don't know, is there? I'm actually trying to rack my brains and go through my mental roller deck. So there's that guy, the guy over there, who I thought was in Las Vegas boxing, but actually isn't. <laughs> right. That's Actually works for Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> right. Clearly he's not in Las Vegas boxing, or you would know him. Simple right. as that. Hey, when you, when you come to every fight for however many years, it happens. So. <laughs> I guess so. Um, so we have a, a jam-packed show on the podcast today. Uh, some great guests are going to be sitting down with us. Uh, we have Roy Jones, Freddie Roach, Rushy Warren, Caleb Plant, and Devin Haney, so a good mix of fighters, ex-fighters, uh, the trainer of one of the gentlemen in the main event. Uh, so why don't we uh, get right to it here and uh, welcome in Roy Jones. So many times with our previous podcast with HBO, no fight week would be complete unless we were joined <laughs> by this man right here. And so who better to have as our first fight week guest on the Showtime Boxing Podcast than Mr. Roy Jones. Roy, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you doing? All right. All right. It's good to be here. So... Tell folks why you're here uh, this week. Got Nordine Obale fighting against uh, Rashid Warren. Uh, and it's like, for me, it's one of the most interesting amateur fights, I mean, pro fights ever because of the amateur background. Um, you got to think about it. These guys have five Olympic games between them. <laughs> one went three times in Rashid Warren, and Obale went two times. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Now, that's things that could not happen before in the professional world because those guys were able to turn professional. And we never had a guy from the United States to go to three right. Olympic Games. So that was a just a fictional thought 20 years ago. Mm. Now it's a reality, and it's happening. That's how much the boxing world has changed. So uh, I'm surprised we got this far into the interview without uh, saying two words, happy birthday. Uh, you, ju- you just turned 50 the other day, right? Yes, <laughs> Uh, age is just a number, of it's course, all, but d- d- it does it feel any different? It feels a little different. Your body still you know, aches every day, but it's what it is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, the, the people listening on the podcast can't tell, but you don't look a day over 49, right? Thank you, brother. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> hey, I ache every day, and I, did, I didn't have an athletic career, so see, there you go. See, <laughs> see. <laughs> so tell me again, you know, so we're here obviously for Pacquiao Broner, and even though you're not the guy who steps in the ring for the big fights anymore... Uh, Every time you come back to something like this, does it get the kind of memories going, the juices going? Does it feel comfortable to be around a big event like this? It feels comfortable. Uh, the one thing for me, though, is I try to avoid it as much as possible because it's not about me right now. It's mm. about my fighter. Right. So it's like I always try to make sure I stay clear and they have to call me to come over here because I try to avoid mm. this scene because it's not for me. Mm. It's for them. And I don't want people to get it misconstrued as though I want attention. I know I don't. Mm. I'm here, I'll speak and say what i got to say, but I, I'm really here for the support of my fighter, mm. not for myself. Mm. Right. 
Well, the the headliner on, on this card uh, is a guy who also recently celebrated a big birthday. Manny Pacquiao turned 40 uh, about a month ago. Are you surprised to see him still fighting in fights this big at this level at that age? No. Um, boxing has now become an extended sport. Just like football, you got two of the oldest quarterbacks ever in the AFC and NFC championship game right now. Mm. Drew Brees and Tom Brady. And Drew Brees is a Capricorn. Yes! <laughs> Happy birthday, Drew Brees. But anyway, um, so everybody's getting, we're learning more about ourselves. We're learning more about the anatomy of the human makeup. We're learning more about if we take care of ourselves better early, we can last longer. There are a lot of things that people are starting to understand and get. Uh, back in the days, you got to remember, 30 was an old fighter. But, but they fought 25 rounds. The quality of the gloves wasn't as good. They probably didn't have the quality of hand wraps. So a lot of things were different. They also probably didn't understand some of the things that we understand now. Uh, so there are new things that have come along that allows everybody to extend their career a little longer. Um, kids are starting earlier, and careers are extending longer. I mean, and so for me, for Ford and see him fighting a big fight, it's not, not, not out of this world. You know, if you think about it, I probably could come at 50 years old and fight Anderson Silva right now in a boxing match and probably make more money in that fight than I've made in my whole career boxing. Hmm. 50, and you can make more money than you ever made. Hmm. So it's like it's not unheard of. So it's not surprising to me because the landscape of age is changing. And I love that change. And I look forward and embrace it as well. So it's like you don't think because a guy 40 anymore that he's too old. It's it's about how well he's taken, has he taken care of himself. Mm-hmm. Because there are some guys that I know that are 26 and 27 that are done. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be allowed even to be in the ring because mentally their mental capacity is gone because of either the punches they've taken, the amount of sparring they, they've endured, or because they have self-abuse with drugs and alcohol. There are a lot of reasons that people's careers end early. But when you have a guy like Manny Pacquiao or a guy like myself or Floyd Mayweather, guys who take care of themselves, who don't drink and smoke and party all the time, they can elongate their careers. They can extend their careers. And it gives us great pleasure to be able to extend our career and fight until we decide we want to stop. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. A, a lot of it is also genetic and, and, and luck sometimes. I think of a guy like Jake LaMotta who nobody took more punches than Jake LaMotta uh, was known for having the greatest chin of his generation and then you know he lived I think until about age 90 and was genetic. still pretty much with it so there's, there's a lot of that too it's genetic. just luck sometimes yeah, that's genetics and luck sometimes but at the same time like I'm saying if you take care of yourself then it's a lot easier for you to get that luck or to accomplish that you know it's like a lot of guys like I met Jimmy Young when I was older when I was about 27 or 28 mm-hmm. and Jimmy Young told me you know Roy he said I didn't get like this from boxing I didn't get hit when I fought right he said, I got like this because I sparred Joe Frazier every day mm-hmm. when I was 16 to when I was 21. Mm-hmm. Every day. He said, that's what took a toll on me. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, thank God Jake LaMotta didn't have a Joe Frazier around, so he was able to last. Yeah, he took his in a fight, but how often did he fight? He didn't fight. He didn't fight as much as these guys spar. So these guys spar every other day sometimes. I know guys that go from gym to gym, that's all they do on a daily basis is spar. So. Yeah, that's one of the things that, that a lot of fans just aren't able to, to, to be exposed to or aware of is, is that people will look at fights and think that that is the sum total of it, isn't it? Whereas for a lot of folks, I think even the camp building up to the fight is the hardest part of the entire experience. You know, it's almost a relief to get into the ring and get the fight over with, isn't mm-hmm. it, sometimes? Yes, it is. Because after, after an extended camp like Obala has had, he's so excited and so ready to go right now. 
that's like the the, the 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 fight is just the icing on the cake. Right. He's sick and tired of going to training every day and preparing. He's ready to go, and that's what you have to know about fighters. So I'm so happy to see him ready to go because you want him to come to an edge to where he's on edge and ready to jump off the cliff. Hmm. If he if he's not there, then come fight day he's not ready. But when he's there, which I think he is right now, then we're good. So what what are your thoughts on Broner in terms of whether this is a kid who's ever going to really put it together? People keep waiting for him to get his head on straight and get that signature victory. What do you think the chances are that we see Adrian Broner at the peak of his powers on Saturday night? Well, the thing about Adrian Broner, to me, I think, is that he's been a victim of fighting people that he didn't really respect. And when you when you play a team that you think is really not on your level, you don't play at your level. Mm. Now he gets an opportunity to play against a guy who he feels like is on his level. So I think if we ever gonna see him, this is the time we'll see him. Mm. Because and I think we will see him because I think he's motivated. So I think we'll see who Adrian Broner really is in this fight. I'm not saying that that gonna mean he's gonna win it. I don't know who's gonna win it, but I think we'll see the best Adrian Broner we've probably ever seen because he's been waiting for an opportunity to feel like he has an equal opposition on the other side of the ring, now he has that. Mm. So when you fight guys you feel like are less than you, you don't really take it quite as serious. When you feel like you're fighting a guy who can bring it to you, you take that serious. Mm. He's fighting a guy who, although he's 40, he still knows this guy will bring it to you. So I think we're going to see the best agent Bruno we've seen in a while. Do you have any expectations for the main event at all? No expectations. I just can't wait to see it. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. All right, Roy, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, all the best to Ubali on uh, Saturday night, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again down the road. Thank you guys for having me. All right, well, uh, we'll certainly be making our own predictions uh, uh, before the uh, fight week is over, and there's plenty of people with very different opinions as to what's going to happen on Saturday, but I have an extremely strong suspicion that our next guest is predicting a Manny Pacquiao KO victory on Saturday night. We are joined by Freddie Roach. Freddie, as always, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So, things have changed a little bit uh, since uh, the last time that that we've had you on the podcast and the last time that that you've worked with Manny. You weren't working with Manny, now you are again. It it seems to create potentially a different dynamic. Can everything still be the same after you go through something like that? Uh, Pretty much. I mean, uh, you know, Manny called me up and uh, told me to meet him at his hotel, and uh, we had a discussion. For the first time in two years, and the discussion was 15 minutes long, and everything's like back to normal. <laughs> everything's right back to normal. It just, it just I, Manny said, "Freddie, I'm sorry I didn't call you for the last fight." And I said, "Manny, don't worry about it. That's water under the bridge right now." I said, "I watched the fight on TV. It looked really good. I was really happy with the performance, and I was happy with the knockout." And when I said when I said that, a big smile came on his face. I said. You miss that, don't you? I said. <laughs> and that's why I feel like he's bringing that killer instinct into this fight also. So you think it was good for him to just have a change of pace for one fight and, and then you guys get a bit of a fresh start? Yeah, it was, it was definitely good. And, you know, me and Boo Boy have always worked as a team, and Boo, Boo Boy's always been a solid guy with Manny. And uh, I've always said, like, working the corner without Boo Boy in it, it's almost impossible because he knows Manny's... Uh, mannerism and when he's really sore and where, he, where the cramps are and how to fix the cramps and so forth because it does happen sometimes during the fight. So is it going to be a very similar arrangement as it always has been as to who talks 
Tamani between the rounds. Yeah. Boo Boy's going to talk a lot more than I do because <laughs> I don't talk that much. And I'll, give, I'll, I'll say a few words of Manny's there. Uh, the most cru- crucial things that, that I think I need to make adjustments with. So it will it'll be no change. Uh, Boo Boy could be in the middle, though, because I did offer that to him. I said, you, you know, you, you want to get used to work in the middle a little bit? Because he wants more experience, and uh, it would work out really good. Because I'd just be on the side talking to Manny's ear. No, no big deal. Same, same outcome. Realistically, though, Manny Pacquiao, after 60 fights and been at the top for so long, how much, how often do you really have to either give him technical advice or talk him up or, or keep him motivated between rounds? No, that's something that you really don't really have to do. You don't have to keep a guy like him motivated no. at, at all. Just give him a little direction here or there that will work in this fight. Because Broner is pretty much a counterpuncher, but he's pretty much a slow starter also. And I love that because that, that part of it we, we will take advantage of. And not just a slow starter, but he's someone who has had work rate issues. Broner doesn't throw a ton of punches. Uh, is that a key thing to capitalize on for Manny to just outwork him in spots? Uh, yes, de- definitely outwork I was watching like Mike Garcia. The only way Garcia won every round as from the first to the last. I mean, it got better and better for him the, the, each round and just because his, his work volume was better. And uh, I mean, that was a a simple way to to fight Broner and uh, a very good. uh, And I like that he backed him up quite a bit. And uh, I I think I I learned more from that fight than than most. Mm. There are issues with Adrian Broner, of course, certain mental strength issues inside and outside the ring. And given that he is sometimes a slow starter, it's the key really to go in there for Manny to be as fast as possible and really discourage him in the early rounds. Yes, definitely. Just uh, show him the speed. And uh, the thing is, I mean, speed is something to deal with. But then when you're actually in there against it, it's a whole different world. It really is. I mean, catching him on the mitts is just like he's punching harder than I, I think I've ever seen him. He's matured into that weight now, and uh, he's, he's not 138 anymore like the day before the fight. He's actually 144 mm-hmm. or 45. But he's he's close to the weight. But the thing is, he's he's learned how to use that power a lot better than than, than the past. Are, are there things though in the gym that at age forty that you can sense certain things that Manny has slowed down on? Uh, you said that the power is, is there. Are there certain things that you that you think as you're working with him? You know, five years ago he did this a little quicker, this a little better. Yeah, I don't think there's anything really that that that, that big that stands out that because his his footwork's great, still his hand speed, he's he's like re- rejuvenated. It's like it's like almost a new guy because he had a little a little bit of a lull, uh, you know, in in those six years he didn't have a knockout and so forth, so forth. But the thing is, he's back now, and the thing is, I think. I think that one fight that, that I missed that I was away with, and I think that was actually really, really good for, for maybe both of us. Because I mean, after 15 years together, how much, how many more stories can I tell them? Right, right, right. So the question, one of the questions that I have, what happened in the Jeff Warren fight? I mean, watching it from afar, I still thought he won it, but only just. And yeah. what was going on there? The thing in the Horn fight, it's uh, the the training camp was really difficult because. The training camp was in the Philippines. We're in Senate. So some days he would get out of the Senate at 3 in the afternoon and some days 10 o'clock at night. And then 
no matter what time that ended is where the workout came. So the, the boxing was like secondary. And for this fight, we didn't have to, those issues. You know, they gave us time off to get ready for the fight. So that's why I think there's a big difference in that Manny Pacquiao and this Manny Pacquiao. And, uh, you know, the horn fight, um, I thought he may have edged it out a little bit, but the thing is, he really had him out in the ninth, and then I said, give me one more, one more round like that, and it's over. You know, and he just, um, he just decided just to, to let him off the hook a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't like I didn't like that, so I just said, Manny. I said, be, you know, being a senator and being a world uh, champion boxer might be too, just too much. I said, maybe you should pick one or the other. And he got a little upset with me. So and then we didn't talk for uh, it, it was two years before we spoke. Yeah. Wow. So, but um, he just um, he probably needed a break from me, and maybe vice versa. So it worked out well, though. Right. Okay. So so last question, Freddie is. He is obviously on this path of continuing to be a congressman and continuing to be a boxer. Assuming he wins and looks good this weekend and, and you get the performance that you're looking for, how much longer do you see Manny continuing to do this? You know, I would like to say maybe this and one more, and um, I, you know, I would like to see him uh, um, retire sooner. I mean, I would love to get like Mayweather back one more time because that, that was like... Mm, he can do so much better than we did in that fight, I feel, without the injury. But the thing is, I would like to get that, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of good guys out there, Earl Spence and uh, you know, Broner, I mean, not Broner, um, Bud Crawford. Right. I mean, there's a lot of lot of good welterweights out there right now, and he might want to fight a couple of them, but I would be satisfied with this one and one more. All right, well, best of luck certainly on Saturday night, and thanks for stopping by, Freddie. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. We are joined right now by uh, one of the stars of Saturday's pay-per-view card. He is the only three-time Olympian in U.S. boxing history, former Bantamweight champ, Rasheed Warren. Rasheed, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How y'all doing? We're doing great. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, enjoying it. Yeah, excited because I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for this fight. Yeah, yeah. I'm so very you, I excited. mean, you're familiar with your opponent. You met him in the amateurs at the Olympics. Yes. What, what? How much do you remember from that fight, and how much is what happened in that ring going to influence what happens? I remember uh, losing. Okay. <laughs> from 18 to 19, that I started off winning in the first round, second round I was winning. Then he, I guess, got a little bit more points than he won supposed to get, but. You know, that's the fight game. Um, Got to stay hungry, keep going. But um, this is the pros now. You know, the amateurs was a fast pace. Get your points and get out. And this right here, the professionals, you know, sit down on your shots. One shot can change the whole fight. And we're going 12 rounds. We're not going three. So um, it's a way different fight. You know, I done um, added my jab to my arsenal because... A lot of things I was doing in that fight, it was, I was kind of disgusted looking at that fight. Even though he won by one point, I was more disgusted. I'm like, Dad, I ain't throw a jab not one time. Like, I'm just jumping in there, just throwing punches. It was like I was ready to fight and get out the ring. That's what it looked like to me. So uh, this fight way different on a real big stage, pay-per-view. The world going to see me, Pacquiao, on a um, car with my brother, Adrian Bronner. Uh, it's going to be real fun, man. I'm ready to, you know, go in there and enjoy myself. And I'm happy that the fight came because it was a long training camp. It wasn't fun at all. 
wasn't fun at all. It was a long training camp, and uh, my coach Barry was just putting me to the test, putting put from from running, from ment- from mentally, physically, and just overall. So I'm ready. How, how long? Longer than your usual camp? Yeah, way longer than I you normally. Know, I do you know like a month and a half, maybe two. But this was when I, f- I found out this fight. I found out about this fight. Uh, no, actually, I found out I was fighting him in around August. So I started oh, wow. training in September. Oh, wow. Yeah, to get ready. Because <laughs> I was training in Cincinnati first while my hometown, my brother Stephen Warren was getting me ready at the time to get ready to go to Washington, D.C. to finish my training camp off in November. So you can't just go up there and not in shape with hmm. Coach Barry because he's just going to make you, he going to break you, make you throw up, body cramp up. So I was basically getting myself ready to go out there to train with him, and he took over. So you got a camp to prepare for camp. Yeah, that's yeah. You're saying. Basically, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. They weren't like, okay, I'm training right now to get ready for the fight. No, I'm training for this training camp I'm about to go to because right. I knew it was going to be tough. And I had like eight sparring partners. Wow. Yeah, different sparring partners. And they all was bigger than me. Right. Yeah, yeah, because my coach know I got the ability to, you know, to hold my ground. But sometimes it was overwhelming sometimes because it was like, damn. I'm losing weight. They ain't got to lose weight. <laughs> like, I wish they was losing weight with me. Then I under- they understand how I'm feeling. But that just mentally, that was messing with me. So I had to overcome that. Like, you know what? When you think like that, you can lose the fight that very second. So I was like, you're right. Let me switch it up. So you guys, you in Ubali, you crossed paths a lot in the amateurs. It wasn't just the Olympics, right? No, nah, that was just our first time. It was just your first yeah, time. Yeah, I didn't even know he was a two-time um, Olympian. I didn't know that. Like, okay. But it's first time for everything. But do you keep your eyes, when you turn pro, do you have in the back of your mind, you know, hey, I met this guy in the amateurs, he's going to turn pro too. Do you keep an eye on him think, one day down the road we're going to meet again and the circumstances are going to be different? Yeah, I always thought about that. I always, to be honest, like the three Olympics that I went to and the people who I lost to, I always dreamed about fighting them in a, in a professional. Okay. You know, and I'm like, that. that ain't never happened because... They going, they, some some don't go pro, they still be amateurs, and voila, I end up, you know, fighting this guy who I'm fighting now. I don't even know his name. You know, all I know, I'm going, all I know is my hands to his face. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one common thread of all your big title fights as a pro is that they're all close. You have all these close 12-round fights. I was actually ringside the night you won the title, yeah. uh, and... I, I remember after the fight, uh, your, your buddy Adrian uh, jumping on top of you in yeah, the ring as yeah. you celebrated. But all those fights are real close. What do you have to do to really separate yourself and win clearly on Saturday night? Uh, like when I when I, I realized that too when I be fighting. Uh, like if I hurt somebody, like or I might drop them. I don't. I, I was trying to learn how to you know keep my foot on a neck and just pressure down but I over I get too aggressive and overthrow my shots and maybe tire myself out a little bit for trying too hard to knock them out and this fight I learned how to pace myself a little more because my last fight not my last fight when I lost the title fight against the guy uh they, his nickname ZZ uh, when I dropped him twice I didn't even look in the corner not one time when I dropped him I looked in the crowd trying to em- entertain them trying to entertain the crowd so it took my whole focus off the fight so it was like 
when I lost that fight and I went back and looked at the tape, I say, that's why I lost the fight at. Mm-hmm. I was entertaining the wrong people and forgot about the game plan after I dropped him twice. So I was like, you know what? I got to fix it going into the next fight. And over the, over the two fights that I learned, I picked up my jab real heavy because I wasn't really a jabbing person. I always was throwing hooks because of my speed. My speed let me get away with a lot of things. So now that my jab is in an arsenal, it's, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. You know, I'm more patient. I'm sitting down on my shot. So if I see the opportunity of hurting me, I'm going to put my foot on his neck and go get it. You've mentioned uh, a couple of times your buddy Adrian Bronner. Of course, you guys are both from Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, really, it feels like externally there's a lot of pressure on him too. That as good as he's been, there's always been that sense that there could have been more from him. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that this is the fight where he realizes what's at stake for him and that he's going to put it all together and show everybody what he has? Yes. I. I yes. I, even though we didn't do training camp together, I felt like he knew. It was his time, this fight, because I never see him get up to train three times a day. Hmm. I ain't never see him wake up on his own to go work out. Normally, somebody knocking on his door, beat down his door, <laughs> telling him to get down. He being late. But he was working out three times a day to get ready for this fight. So he showed not just me, but, you know, the coaches that's around him, that's around him uh, right now that he wanted more than them. And you know when you show it, when you show it that you want it yourself, it make it easy for the coaches. Mm. So that's the difference that I see in this fight for him coming up. Who to who I'm going with? You know it's gonna be a victorious fight, and I'm rooting for my brother. And I'm gonna be right there after I win my title. So I hope whatever whatever I do winning this title, I hope that motivates him because I'm gonna go put it right in his face before he go in that <laughs> ring. Like, look, I did it. It's your mm-hmm. turn now. Right. All right, well, we'll see if Cincinnati can go two for two on, on Saturday night. Uh, yes, yes, that'll be great. That'll be great, not just for for the American people, but our small city, Cincinnati, you know, because we had a lot of great fighters come out of there. Yep. From Aaron Pryor, mm-hmm. you know, as a charge, Ricardo Williams, you know, a lot of them people. So it'll be great to, you know, bring the boxing back to Cincinnati. Yeah. All right, well, best of luck. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And we are joined right now by the new 168-pound champion of the world, Caleb Plant. Caleb, <laughs> congratulations on a tremendous performance the other night, and welcome to the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It, it was a fantastic fight, a fantastic win, uh, and you, you surprised some people. There were some doubters, and I'll tell you right to your face, I put a small bet on your opponent. I'm one of the, I'm one of the doubters. How confident were you that you were going to prove everybody wrong? 110% confident. I knew... Um, I had, uh, as I told everybody else, I've seen that movie a million times. I knew where it was headed. I knew how it was going to play out. Um, and I hope moving forward you learned your lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, I'm throwing money away betting uh, on Caleb Plant's Don't opponent. It's a mistake. Yes. I know now. Don't do that. <laughs> and you went two for two on the night. After the fight, post your girlfriend in the dressing room. Yeah. It's the night you'll never forget with one thing and another right uh yeah absolutely um i knew my plans was to ask her after so okay there was no way i was letting jose mess that up <laughs> you know and um so yeah you know got my girl got the belt you know we're not even through the first month of uh, 2019 and i'm on top of the world so feeling good uh, pretty good year for you so far starting yeah. off yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so at the outset of the fight you were just boxing beautifully really 
befuddling uh, Uzkatsky in terms of seemed like he couldn't settle down and, and land punches on you. You were just giving him too much movement. I assume that was the game plan all through camp was that, that you thought movement was going to really cause him difficulty. Uh, well, it wasn't so much move, movement. It was just me being myself. All the things that I do great um, were going to give him trouble. Um, we went in there. We had a game plan, a loose game plan, because, you know, you don't want to be too strict to it because if things, if you have to make an adjustment and you're so stuck on your first game plan, it's hard to make an adjustment. So I always just go in there with a loose game plan. I make adjustments as needed. But um, I knew I'd be too fast. I knew my feet would be too fast. My hands would be too fast. And uh, I tried to tell you guys, man, but you didn't want to listen. So <laughs> some people got to learn the hard way. <laughs> and, and you knocked him down a couple of times early. Yeah. Did you think on either of those, I, I think particularly the second knockdown, he seemed really rattled. Did, did you think a stoppage was possibly coming? Um, I wasn't sure about a stoppage because uh, I knew I set him down hard, but he looked like he had his faculties. You know, he didn't look too uh, too wobbly getting up or anything like that. So I didn't want to... Um, start fighting off emotion i wanted to stay disciplined i wanted to stick to the game plan and uh and we did you had a million different motivations going into this fight um listening to you now was the fact that you felt that people weren't taking you seriously or at least not thinking you had a real chance how much did you use that and feed off of that Man, I've been using that my whole life, from the amateur, from before boxing to when I first started to the national tournaments. Just even even being on the A side of my whole boxing career before this fight, you know, I know that there's some of the boxing world out there who just thought I would be. Let's just be honest, another great white hype. I'm not hype. This is all real. And if you don't think it, play that tape back. I can box. I can bang. I got great footwork. I got great great foot speed. I got great hand speed. I got great boxing IQ. I got a chin. I can deal with adversity in the fourth round. I got cut by a headbutt, a big cut. Most people, they start to fold and start to panic and freak out and, and run away. Right after that, right after I cut my eye, that's when I knocked him down. The, the hard time, that's when I really set him down. I stayed zoned in. I stayed focused. I showed I got heart. I can do it all. I can do it with adversity. People have been asking me, what's Caleb Plant going to do when he starts to deal with adversity? And I'm just laughing at you guys like the same thing I've done my whole entire life. What are you talking about? I've been dealing with things way tougher than boxing. Right. And you all wondering how I'm going to deal with adversity. It's crazy to me. But, you know, uh, I knew this was the fight where I was going to show you guys um, what I was all about. So I was just ready to get in there. I, I, I knew what the outcome was going to be. Mm. The, the self-belief is, is so obvious, you know, talking to you. I can see that it, it's so genuine. Uh, he was coming on at the end, though. He was really the last few rounds or when he did some of his best work. Were you were you ever hurt in those late rounds, and how much did you have to call on that, that motivation, that self-belief to get through? There was one time where he was kind of on top of me, uh, and I was kind of bent over, kind of falling around a lot after he caught me with a nice hook. Um, and that's when everyone thought I was hurt. That's not when I, I was never hurt at that time. I just couldn't find my balance. And right after that is where I stood up and started bouncing and, you know, hitting my gloves together. Um, there was another time he caught me on top of my head and things got a little bit fuzzy. And, uh, you know, in boxing, you got to have a great poker face. So <laughs> I gave him the good poker face and uh, stuck to the game plan. But And I was only fuzzy for about, you know, two or three seconds. What, one thing people don't know about me is, you know, I got a great chin. I've just never had to show it. 
And as long as I don't have to, I don't ever plan on showing you all that again. Mm. I don't care about showing how tough I am. We're all tough. Everyone in the sport is tough. Mm. Um, up until this point, I've made things so easy. You, some of you guys, have, you know, you guys haven't got to see some of my attributes, other attributes that I have. And uh, this was the fight where I got to show a little bit of everything. So uh, I'm happy about that. It's only been a few days, but already things are different. Already now you're the hunted. You're not the hunter anymore. David Benavidez is coming out and saying that he's going to make you make you run for your life. Or... Oh, he wants to fight me now. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Funny yeah. how that works. So. Yeah, isn't that now? So, I mean, have you had the chance to start thinking about that and digesting that yet? And are you going to put yourself... And what's it going to be like now that you are the guy? Now, all of a sudden, people are taking you seriously because you have zeros after, after your name on the paychecks. Yeah. So, um, you know, what's that going to mean for you? Um, I'm running my race. I'm not in comp competition with anybody else. And I never have been. I'm in competition with myself. That's it. At the horse races, how them horses got them blinders on, and so they're not paying attention to the horses next to them. Mm -hmm. They're not worried about their race. They're worried about their own race. And when you talking about me, that's what you're talking about. I'm worried about my own race. That's it. Of course he wants to fight me now. You know, is he a world champion? No? Oh, okay. Well, I want to I wanna fight mandatories and world champions. So, is he either one of them? Right. Okay. <laughs> so, of course he wants to fight me. I'm the champ. But, you know, people want to hunt me and get a hold of me, right? Well... You, sometimes you got to be careful what you get a hold of because you get a hold of it and then you can't get away from it. So, so I'm curious for your thoughts, uh, changing subjects, to uh, the big fight that, that people are here for this weekend, uh, Pacquiao and Broner. How, how, do you, how do you handicap this fight? What, what do you see potentially happening in that ring Saturday night? Man, big fight. Great fight for boxing. Um, clash of styles. we got one who's uh, explosive. He's on his toes a lot, bouncing in and out, taking angles, throwing combinations. And we got a slick, bold, brash uh, counterpuncher like Broner. Feet are a little bit flatter, but he's got good upper body movement. And um, I'm just wondering the same thing everyone else, which is which Broner's going to show up, you know. Um, without that said, I'm 100% rooting for Broner. Me and him go way back. He's always been kind and respectful to me. He's always been, he's always supported me, always been a good dude to me. So I'm pulling for him. Um, he messaged me a couple days before the fight, telling me go do my thing. And... Uh, I'm hoping he does his thing too. So, okay. and uh, and just curious because the co-feature is pretty close to your weight class with uh, with Badu Jack and Marcus Brown. Uh, are those guys potentially on your on your radar for the future? And, and what do you make of that fight? Uh, I mean, you know, Badu he's a little bit older. Me and him have the same strength and conditioning coach, Larry Wade. Uh, so Badu he's a tremendous fighter. He's he's up there with the greats for sure. But um, Marcus he's a young, hungry dude. He's explosive. He's powerful. He's hungry. He wants to prove. He wants to be taken serious as well. He wants to prove his point. How I did this past Sunday. Um, so it's going to be fireworks. So as far as them being a potential opponent, I make 68. You know, really, 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 really easy. I, I you know, I'm, I'm properly fueled throughout all camp. We don't starve. We're eating steak and potatoes and all the types of stuff. So uh, I don't know about fighting them anytime soon. I, I'm the king of the 168 pounds now. So. Right. So, if anything, you're more interested in some of the stars from middleweight possibly coming yeah. up to meet you. Yeah, that's going to be uh, more likely the the big stars at middleweight moving up and the, uh, the all the great names that are already a super middleweight. I feel like this is the hottest the super middleweight division's probably ever been. Um, there's a lot of names nobody has really taken hold uh, and really 
taking control of the 168-pound division, though, until this past Sunday. Somebody came along and beat what they called the boogeyman after I've been out of the year, out of the ring for a year, no tuna fight, broken hand, surgery. I said, oh, that's what they say the toughest guy on the block is? Cool, let's go see about it. So I'm the king at 168 pounds now. If anybody got a problem with it, if they don't agree, you know who you can call. I'm clearly not fight, scared to fight anybody, anywhere, anytime, any place. We can make it happen. Congrats again, and I, and I will not be betting on your opponents anymore going forward. Yeah, man, forward, I stop promise. doing that to yourself. <laughs> it was only a very small bet. Why you do that to yourself, man? <laughs> I, 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 I learned my tell lesson. You. Nice, nice. <laughs> and we are joined now by lightweight contender. Contender. <laughs> Devin the Dream Haney, who recently scored a uh, decision win on uh, Showbox against Solisani and Don Jenny. Devin, mm-hmm. first of all, congratulations on that, and welcome Thank to the podcast. Thank you very much. So this is uh, three straight wins for you on Showbox. Uh, did you feel this was your best performance of the three? Um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like it was my best performance. You know, uh, with the better opposition, you know, um, you know, I feel like the, the better I fight, the better, you know, uh, the better performance, I, you know, I have. So, so you're saying that Endangeling was, you think, yes. the best of those yes. opponents then yes. too? Yes, I think um, Endangeling was my best performance because I showed that I was versatile. You know, that that I'm not only a boxer. You know, I, uh, I can bang. I can I can I can walk my guys, walk my opponents down. Is it more of a challenge? I mean, I feel like against, you know, Menardo, Burgos, probably seen a lot of their fights. It's pretty easy to know what you're likely to be up against. Uh, uh-huh. so it seems a lot harder. It was a lot harder for us to find, like, a lot of good footage event on Jenny. Do you, did you go in there not entirely sure what you were going to be up against? Um, I, I kind of had an idea of, of what he was going to bring, but, you know, I wasn't sure. You know, and he, he, he tried to switch it up early. He, he tried to, you know, press the action. But um, he went back to what, you know, he was known for, and that was, you know, boxing and moving. Mm-hmm. Well, you scored that knockdown in the second round. You, you, you had him in big trouble. Did you think you were you were going to get the stoppage, possibly? Yeah, I, 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 thought that, I thought that I would get the stoppage eventually. But, you know, he showed that, that he was tough and that, you know, he, that, he, that he could take a punch. Is it important to you uh, to try to get a big statement knockout? You've had these dominant performances. You look great, uh, but the last couple have gone the distance. How high uh, in terms of priority is next time out score a big spectacular knockout? Um, I'm not really chasing, you know, uh, a big knockout. You know, skills pay the bills at the end of the day. You know, um, the world knows my talent, and, you know, as I move up, you know, and and, and the, the better my opponents get, you know, I'll get more credit. You did look like you were after that stoppage, though, in that fight. There were a yeah. couple of them, like the fifth round was another yeah. time where you had him in trouble. Of course, you know, I, I, I wanted to stop it. You know, it would have been great, but I'm not mad. How happy were you with your body work? That was really key. Um, yeah. I mean, you've got a good body attack anyway, but you yeah, did the, great. The, 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 the body work was important to that fight. You know, I, I knew that. I saw that he that he gasses out, you know, kind of late, you know, and, and, and I just felt like I could have went to the body a little bit more mm. earlier, but... You know, I'm still learning on the job. I'm not mad. I don't know if you've watched the broadcast back, but it was kind of funny. About a round before you started doing that, Raul Marquez was going, man, I'd really like to see him oh, work yeah, the body yeah, more. Yeah, 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 I did see that. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> so when Kieran introduced you, he emphasized that, that contender line. That's something that, that you've been saying. You're a contender now. You want to really step up this year. Who are some of the names, uh, if, you, if, if there are people to call out that, that are on your radar, either for next or maybe by the end of the year, who's on your radar? You know, I want, I want those champions at 135, you know, whether it's Mikey Garcia or if it's Luke Campbell, he's the number one contender, I'll fight Luke Campbell. Um, I'll fight uh, Lomachenko. I will fight uh, anybody, you know, at, in the 135 division that, that makes sense. If it makes sense, everything makes sense, I'll fight them. 
You're calling out Vasily Lamachenko. You are not short on confidence in your own abilities, that's for sure. <laughs> man, I don't know, man. These dudes are scared, scared to fight uh, Lamachenko. I'm not scared. Like I said, I will fight anybody. I'm 20 years old, and I will show the world that I will fight anybody. But seriously, are you feeling impatient? Like it's not even a case of let me fight a couple top 10 guys, work my way up to a world title. You are really ideally looking for a world title shot. Yeah, I really am looking for you know a, a world title shot. Yeah, you know. Um, I'm ranked number six in the WBC, so you know my next fight. My next fight will be for a title eliminator. And we had uh, Barry Tompkins on our podcast this week, and he was talking about how you have this huge entourage, like there are a dozen people around you at all time. But he described you as the quiet in the storm. Uh-huh. Uh, is, is that just the way your personality's always been? Yeah, it's, it's just my demeanor. You know, um, you know. Um, I don't need, you know, a, a thousand people who to pump me up or nothing like that. You know, I really just, it's, it's just, I really am who I am. You know, the people that surround me, they're they're my family. They're people that, you know, I, I, I came up with. So that's why they're around me, you know, but they're not there to pump me up or, you know, to, you know, get me riled up or anything. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm me. And how important is it for you also to have control of every aspect of your career? You promoted your yeah. last two fights. Yeah, that, that, that's very important to me. You know, because I, I control my destiny. You know, if I want to fight, let's say, Lomachenko or Mikey Garcia or anybody, Luke Campbell, any of those guys, it's, I, I don't have someone above me that's telling me, no, I can't. You know, it, it's on them. Right, yeah. You're, you're your own boss. I'm my own boss. <laughs> All right, well, we've really enjoyed watching your rise up through the ranks, and uh, we're excited to see what comes next. Thanks for joining us, Devin. Thank, thank you for having me. So before we wrap it up on the podcast today, there is some breaking news in the boxing world, uh, some, some big news that we ought to uh, address. Uh, a new fight was announced today for May 4th, big middleweight showdown. Canelo Alvarez has an opponent. He's taking on Daniel Jacobs. Uh, coming off the win over Rocky Fielding, I think we were hoping that Canelo would fight a serious challenge next. Uh, he has chosen certainly one of the two or three most serious challenges possible. Uh, how, how impressed are you or, or just relieved, uh, would you say, Kieran, that he's uh, going back into another major fight? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think he, he needed to. And, and to be honest, to be fair, you know, this has been Canelo's career, the way he's gone about his career. He, he might take a relatively soft touch here or there, but the guy has gone after the big fights. He certainly hasn't been afraid to do that. The guy fought Gennady Golovkin twice, after all. Right. Um, and, and Jacobs is a very dangerous fight. It's, it's a difficult style matchup. He's long, he's rangy, he moves well, he can switch to southpaw. Um, Canelo will be the favorite, but it's by no means a given. Right, and the fact that you mentioned that he's fought Gennady Golovkin twice, that was the reason to possibly hesitate on whether this fight would get made, as a lot of us were thinking maybe a third Canelo-Golovkin fight would get made. Uh, but he m- took a guy who is maybe a little bit less of a star, a little bit less of an established name, but probably every bit as much of a challenge in the ring. Yeah, yeah, very much. And you know that you know, Daniel Jacobs is one of these guys who um, always has tremendous motivation, is always motivated very much by not just what he wants to achieve in the ring, but what has happened to him outside the ring. Um, 
talking of whom, he's not the only person who has been able to take external motivations and, and, and use them uh, to fire his achievements in the ring. Uh, one of the guys we talked to today, Caleb Plan, I thought was one of the best interviews we've done in quite some time. Caleb, as intense behind the microphone as he was in the ring the other night. <laughs> yeah, I'm still debating whether it was the right thing to tell him that I had bet against him, but I think it was the right thing for the sake of the podcast. Uh, that It got him a little fired up. He has that chip on his shoulder, and as long as there are people like me betting against him, that chip will remain there. And yeah, I was really impressed uh, with the charisma that, that he showed on the podcast. And the other one who impressed me that I really didn't see it coming was Rushy Warren. Yeah. It, uh, he's just got a lot of personality. Yep. That guy. Yep. I think it's great that you said that to Caleb. It's now your thing. You guys are going to have a lovely little thing going over the years. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant being a losing better is my <laughs> thing. Because that's also my thing. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah, good job you're in charge of writing about that. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, look, thanks very much, guys, for listening to our first day here at Fight Week at the MGM Grand. We will be back tomorrow after the weigh-in with a whole bunch of other guests already lined up. Until then, thanks very much for listening.